Hello friends, welcome to the SOS Podcast. I'm your host, Carl. Thanks for joining me. For a couple weeks now, I've been doing a study on the book of Esther with a few friends of mine. And it's the truth, the total truth, that when you read scripture, if you let the Holy Spirit reveal something new to you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen every single time. You can go over the same passage, even the same single verse, over and over and over again. There's always something new to gather from it. So we're going over the book of Esther. I've read the book of Esther. I've studied the book of Esther. I've seen at least one stage production of the story. It's not a long book at all, so it's not terribly involved. So it's a story you feel like after a couple times, you know it. So we had a little assignment this week and we had to read over a certain number of verses and then watch a video and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm reading over the verses and I noticed something that I really hadn't noticed before. So let's set the scene. I think for most of you, you're going to know the story. Esther is queen. Haman, who is like, you know, the king's right hand man, has been offended by Esther's uncle, Mordecai. Because Mordecai isn't bowing to him. Mordecai is not giving him the respect he deserves. So Haman is not just mad at Mordecai. He gets mad at all the Jews and he decides we need to annihilate them. So he convinces the king, who seems to be quite a, quite a little sheep, a little follower. Haman actually convinces him of quite a number of things. And then Esther, of course, is able to convince him as well. So the king is easily swayed. Well, he is swayed to agree with Haman that, yes, all the Jews should go. Mordecai gets word of this, and he's super, super, super upset, scared. He needs to communicate with Esther, because Esther is now in a position of prominence and influence. She's the queen. She has access to the king. She's in the palace. If someone is going to be able to help the Jews survive this, it's going to be her. So there's a few things here. You know, what's the issue? Well, the issue is that God's people, Israel, are facing annihilation. Someone wants to destroy each and every one of them, just wipe them from the earth, not even leaving a remnant. That's the issue. Death. They're facing death. So what does Mordecai ask Esther to do? Well, he asks her to go to the king because she needs to convince him otherwise. What's her problem? Well, her problem is that the king is not someone you can just approach without being summoned. And he hadn't summoned her for quite some time. So she could approach the king, but that might mean death to her. If she were to approach the king without being summoned, he would have to hold out his scepter to keep her from being killed. Now, this sounds super extreme, but if you think about it, in those days, this is really just a protective measure for the king. No one can approach the throne, approach him without his permission or his request. Otherwise, it's someone who's not supposed to be there. And of course, his guards are just going to kill that person to protect the king. That's, that's really all this is. It's a mechanism uh, of protection for, for royalty. So Esther sends word back and she says just that. I, I can do this. I can try to go talk to the king, but I'm going to be putting my life on the line. What does Mordecai say? Don't think that you're the only way that this salvation can come to us. If you don't do this, God will still save us some way. 
but then perhaps you will not be saved. So Esther says, okay, I'm going to do this, but we need to prepare before I take this step, before I take this risk. I'm going to ask you and the rest of the Jews to do what I'm doing and what my maidservants will do, which is three days of fasting, fasting and prayer. Very common in scripture in the Old Testament, fasting and prayer, nothing new. But then I read exactly what this fast was to look like, and something piqued my interest. So she's telling them specifically for three days, no food, no drink. So these are people living in a warm area in the Middle East, some maybe in a very dry desert region. She's asking them to go three days without food and water. Now the human body can last without food two, three weeks maybe, but water, we're talking three or four days, that's it. So their request to Esther is, we need you to help us dodge death. We don't want to die. The way that they're asking her to help them is a way that might bring her death. So she's going to have to face death to keep them and herself from certain death. Now, she asked them to help her so she can get the strength and the favor to go before the king. And what does she ask them to do? She asks them to face death. In this area of the world, go without food and water for three days. For some, that might have seemed like a deadly request. That kind of fasting here with what we have to do and go through every day and you want us to go three days without food and water? Well, if I don't die at the hands of Haman, maybe I'll die because of this fast. I mean, that's a pretty extreme request. It never really stuck out to me before. These people, in order to defeat death, Esther, in order to defeat death, had to face death, take it head on. It really is a picture of what Jesus did, no? What did Jesus have to do in order to defeat sin and death? Well, he had to take on all the sin, all the sin for all of us ever. And then he had to face death. He had to actually die to defeat death. Now Esther and Mordecai and their people, the Jews, did not have to actually die to defeat death in that instance, but they certainly had to face it. They certainly had to stand up against it and put themselves in a deadly position in order to survive. What does that mean for us? Well, it means that we don't get victory over the enemies, the spiritual enemies who are out there, unless we actually face them. We've got to be brave enough and confident enough to take that step and take on that battle. They showed God exactly how much they valued and treasured their lives by willingly putting them on the line for his favor. Sounds backwards, but it's not. They defeated death by willingly taking on death. I don't think it was a matter of resignation for them, like, oh, we have to do this. When you read the words of Mordecai and what he's asking Esther to do, and you see how, almost like how quickly she realizes the gravity of the situation and what's needed, and she just decides right then and there, okay, this is what we're all going to do. In three days, I'm going to approach the king, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it seems like they're pretty resolute about this. And of course, it was not only done, but it was done successfully. We see that by the end of the story. 
What they did was really a foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do. Facing death, taking on death, head on, willingly. Because there were two options for them. We either let Haman take our lives, or we voluntarily put ourselves in the position of facing our mortality in order to save those lives. And that's what they did, and that's what Jesus did. Some might say, well, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was all worried. He was so stressed that he was actually sweating blood and crying tears of blood. Jesus didn't want to go up on that cross. Well, there was a moment when he told the Father, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. But if not, let your will be done. But then what happened when the authorities showed up to arrest him? He went with them voluntarily. He did not resist. He did not go his own way. He followed the plan. How many times do we ask God to take something from us? Whether it's a trial, anything, any kind of circumstance, we're like, oh, Lord, please, anything but this, take this away. I wonder how many times God is saying to us, I don't want to take it away. I want you to face it. I want you to defeat it. I want you to beat it. Let's think about that. Let's think about what Esther and Mordecai and the Jews had to go through. Let's think about what Jesus did. It wasn't about taking away the challenge, taking away the battle. It was about God giving them what they needed to go through that battle, to face the enemy, and to be victorious, to succeed. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to do what he did, to be who he was? That sacrifice we see in scripture well before the coming of Christ in Matthew, right? We see that in the Old Testament, how people understood that, how people got that about their faith in the one true God, that it would be a matter of sacrifice. A matter of taking on the challenge, taking on the battles, actually taking on that fight. Because if you don't take on the fight, you can't win it. You can't be victorious, right? So that's where we want to be. That's how we want to act. That's how we want to approach the challenges we face in this life and in our faith. We want to be like Esther. We want to be like Mordecai and the Jews. We want to be like Jesus. We want to take on the battles head on. We want to defeat death by facing death. We have all the courage, all the power, all the resources we need through the Lord to do that and do that successfully. Father God, thank you that we don't need to cower in the corner when we are faced with darkness. We don't need to hide. We only need to seek you for direction and for the plan. What it is that you want us to do so that we can win the battle, we can win the fight. Your word tells us not to flee from the enemy, but to resist the enemy, and he will flee. There's a big difference there. Father, teach us that difference. Teach us what it means to stand our ground, to stay firm, so that we send him running instead of him sending us running. Father, we love you, and we can't wait to see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good day, and God bless. So. So.